would you mind sharing with us what you, what do you do obviously just to kind of get a baseline what what started you on this journey of helping others in this kind of way and uh, anything else yeah, sure um, yeah, so I, I actually started a career in, in social work uh, mm-hmm. as a youth worker. So I was, I came straight out of university uh, mm-hmm. and into working with young men incarcerated in youth prison yeah. uh, back in Melbourne when I was work, uh, living in Australia. Mm-hmm. And these are young people, not just um, you know young men in prison, but I was working with homeless young people. Mm-hmm. I was working with young people with severe mental health issues, with intergenerational drug addiction and unemployment. And I very, very quickly found out that I did not have the internal skills. And when I say that, um, the inner resilience, mental, emotional resilience, Mm -hmm. as well as the ability to to make self, to do self care, you know, like Mm. you said, um, setting those those boundaries that when you get home, you look after yourself, you're in home mode and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I did not have those skills when I, when I started out and I very, very quickly found myself chronically stressed probably a Mm -hmm. couple of years into my career. Mm -hmm. Um, I was chronically stressed. I was anxious every single day and I was very quickly heading towards burnout. um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and the stress wasn't just affecting me uh, mentally and emotionally, but I mean the first thing that really ha- happens is that you feel it physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and long-term stress can create loads of problems mm-hmm. in your body because you are basically in fight, flight, and freeze mode. You are in survival mode when yeah. you are stressed out all the time. And it means there's a lot of functions in your body that shut down because your mind doesn't think they're necessary. Yeah. One of these things is your digestive system, which is, yeah. you know, unfortunately I learned the, the, the hard way. I couldn't digest anymore. And if yeah. you can't digest your food, you can't process all the nutrients that your body needs to yeah. keep you going and keep you doing your work, keep you mm. focused and present. Um, so I basically spent thousands of dollars um, in, in therapy, in, with medical bills, um, mm. naturopaths, to get myself back on, on track. Um, and I don't want other women, because uh, you know, in social work, it's, it's mainly women. Um, mm. I, was, I was seeing women in my industry burn out mm. um, very, yeah. A lot, a lot, basically, and it means that you're leaving vulnerable people behind that count on you. Yeah. Um, excuse me. And I see a very similar pattern for for women entrepreneurs. Um, I work yeah. with a lot of purpose-driven female entrepreneurs who are so passionate about doing good in the world, helping others. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, you know, I see that pattern. It's the same pattern. Um, there's a there's a study done in 2019 that actually came out with the stat that 79% of female entrepreneurs uh, are dealing with really a really really high level of work stress. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of research showing that um, that female bosses are more likely of of, de- of you know, falling into depression than male mm. bosses. So, mm. you know, there, there's 
yeah. it's not really good news for <laughs> for female <laughs> bosses and female entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where I come in. This is where my passion really lies. That we, you know, we desperately need a different way mm-hmm. to live and work. Yeah. Where the whole human being is taken into consideration, yeah, and that we as individuals put ourselves first, like our mental and emotional well-being, not just the physical stuff. Yeah. So, what did you see? Like, just as a talking, um, what did you see was more one of the most common threads that were causing, like, the stumbling? The you know, I've. You know, you know, like I said, I'm in social work. I see it too. I see people who, um, one thing I learned real quick was you can't save everyone. You know, a lot of times my best moments with my clients is just hearing them, just talking to them. I have nothing to give them. I have nothing to say positive that I could, or any resource, but just being present. But what did you see with the ones, you know, in, in your social work, but also, also in entrepreneur when it comes to women? What are the most common stumbling blocks that you see are uh, present that cause them to go to the burnout phase or even, or even beyond? Mm. Um, to, to go straight to the deeper level, um, I would definitely say that there, there is a very common trend in, in women mm-hmm. um, and then women who have this passion to help others. Mm-hmm. And, and that is really, it's a question of worthiness okay. um, and a question of feeling unworthy. So mm-hmm. they have something that they want to give and they give and they give and they give. And this doesn't matter if you're in social work or you're in entrepreneurship, mm. but they themselves do not feel worthy mm-hmm. of being supported or being helped. Um, a lot of I, I also see this pattern of, of not feeling that what they're giving is has enough value. So mm. therefore, there is this urge to give and give and give without without regard for so, their yeah. own well-being, yeah. Yeah. right? And I see this so often that it's you know we can't and you when you're in that mode you can't see the bigger picture. You can't yeah. see if you don't look after yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you are in the case of, of, of being in business. You are your business. Yeah. And your business is not gonna is not going to survive long term mm-hmm. if the captain, you know, or the, mm-hmm. the creatrix or yeah. the person in charge mm-hmm. doesn't fill her own cup. Yeah. And and, get, and before she gives. It's, so this is something I see very often, and and the beginning of the work that I do when I when I first start working with someone is really to create this mindset that you are important, that you are worthy. Mm-hmm. Anything that you give to other people, you are worthy of receiving that, and and so much more. Mm. Um, and and we really start very basically with with self care, with actually yeah. take one minute, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Take one minute off every hour, yeah, and see how that that um, that keeps you more calm, more energy, more focus, more presence. Mm-hmm. Um, we start very, very, very simply and very basically. You know? a hobby. Yeah. All these kind of weird questions you ask yourself, and um, uh, in South Africa, there's this word called um, umbat, umbantu, 
Um, it uh, actually says, I find my worth in you and you find your worth in me. It's this collective. You Like you said, we all kind of, as much as we don't like to admit it. And I also like how you dress. We, we like to point the finger. And I think that's a lot of times from my experience, it's fear. It's like, I don't want to be wrong. It's so the, like they don't ask the question, is it more important to be wrong or is it more important to grow? And when it comes to these kind of uh, situations, I, I've come to the realization the last few months that accountability is not a bad word if you're in safe place. And that's where the positive, um, and you know, and that's why it's, you know, I'm adamant. If you're around people who don't have your best interests, maybe they're just not in the right part of their lives. And you don't have to be rude or anything, but you, it's about good about building that support. Um, what would you say to someone listening right now who's fighting a similar fight to you today? Um, uh, any anything you want to sh- want to share, Terry? I, I just say keep going. Uh, and mm. and you know. You're, you're looking at me right now. There, there's no S on my chest. I, I don't wear a yeah, yeah. I, I have I have bad days just like everybody else. I cry, I get down, I get depressed. And when I do, I think of two stories. And mm-hmm. and one was a about a professor at Johns Hopkins University back in the 1950s who did a very simple experiment. He took rats, and trust me, this is going somewhere. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's he talking about rats for? You know, <laughs> he took rats and he put them in a tank of water that was over their head. And he wanted to see how long the rats would tread water. So initially the rats tread water for about 15 minutes. And just as they're ready to get to sink and to drown, he reaches in, grabs the rats, pulls them out, dries them off, lets them rest for a while. And then Mm -hmm. he puts them back in that exact same tank of water. And the Mm -hmm. second time around, on average, the average rat treads water for 60 hours. Think about that. First time, all I can do, 15 minutes, and I'm going to drown. I'm going to give up. I'm going to die. Second time around, 60 hours, which says to me two things. Number one, the importance of hope in our lives. We have to have hope. We have to believe our lives are going to get better. We have to believe that we're working for something else. And as I said before, I'm on this clinical trial drug, probably not going to save my life, but I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it for other people who I may never even know and for my colleagues who I'm, I'm hoping to keep their legacy alive as well. So the importance of hope in our lives, we have to have that. And then number two, just how much more our physical bodies can handle. And yeah. I remember when I was on interferon and, and I mean, I was so sick and I was so sick of being sick mm-hmm. that I prayed to die. I literally asked God, like, please just take me. I am so sick of this, but he didn't. But what mm-hmm. he did do for me is gave me the strength, gave me the power to continue to move forward, to continue to go on. And, you know, sometimes we talk about winning the day, you know, and, mm. and I know I felt that. And I'm sure the people who have cancer, you know, I, oh gosh, I just, I just got to get through today. To me, that was winning the day. How am I going to win this day? And sometimes winning that day was winning just this, just this little bit. I just got to get out of bed and I've mm. got to make it to the couch. So mm. you have the grit inside you. You have mm-hmm. everything you need to be successful in life already inside you. You just need to find it, pull it out, and use it for your advantage. And I want to ask you, yeah. in recovery, it can be messy. What have you seen work in your experience when resources are none, nil, <laughs> not, or like not there? Maybe, you know, families are, are protected. What, what if they're not available? On your journey, in your own experience, what has kind of, you know, helped you? 
this is a lot of times in they try to build coping skills or something mm-hmm. like that. The wellness wrap, uh, wellness recovery action plan, whatever it is, they try to build that just in case these rainy days. What has helped you in this journey? I think what helped me is obviously when I worked um, as a recovery worker in rehabs, I've Mm. said this to a lot of my clients as well and to myself is once you hit that road in recovery, Mm. there's no end stop. Like it's not, (laughs) it's not like one day after like 20 years, you're like my, my recovery ends. The minute Mm -hmm. you hit recovery, it's a lifelong thing. Mm -hmm. So your whole life from the day you realize that you, you need to start recovery needs to change. So what mm-hmm. work, worked for me was, is once I started putting my mental health first, is everything from my past I changed. The people mm-hmm. I was hanging, hanging around with, I was really selective on the people that continued to be in my life. Mm-hmm. Even though it was as hard as it was, because these people I was friends with since I was 12 and I'm 26 mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And it was, hard, it was a hard decision to make, but it's putting myself first. Yeah. I, had to, I had to do it because the people pleasing and putting other people's needs before mine's was destroying me so yeah it was changing everything like um i was i grew up in east london mm. but i moved to northampton afterwards because i just needed a whole new clean slate yeah and now i have very good friends that i could i trust with all my heart i'm very selective of family members because obviously in, in in our culture is that like family before anything and yeah. you, you have toxic family members in your <laughs> yes. life you had to. yeah but i had to make that choice of like i have to put my even first. as i'm not as progressive as i've become in my diagnosis i still have to baby step through my days sometimes when it's just like so overwhelming to me that i'm like i can't even do that much and it's like yes you can you just have yeah. to get out of bed you got to get on a pair of shoes you just got to do that and it's like and once you start that progression it's easy it's, it's not easy but it follows you know everything follows the next step so you have to take the one first step in order to get to the second step it's very yeah. basic but not always easy i'm not going to downplay it yeah yeah uh, i just you know again i appreciate the conversation i think leaning into the hard topics like this is important um I think that, you know, the discomfort we feel around mental health or talking about difficult things is is actually a sign that this is important. Um, we all know that we can't grow within our comfort zones. And so leaning into things that, that don't necessarily feel good normally, you know, yield some nice results down the road. And so um, I just encourage people just to, yeah, lean into that stuff, have this conversation. And, you know, when you do, just remember that we're all human beings with, you know, interesting traumatic funny backgrounds um and that's a good thing that that's what really makes our community a diverse and, and special place joel yeah and and just to to add that, get yourself active in a community if you're not involved in one uh there's plenty there's plenty to join there's plenty of groups to join there's plenty um uh civic things to do um serving others is a big is a big component of that. Um, when you serve others, you're actually helping yourself more than others, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Rob, you know that. I mean, your story is lengthy. You and I are linked uh, in, in our stories because of the time we, we served together. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, led, that's led into both of us going, you know, very different directions um, in our, our careers and our families. Um, and, and yet, 
our time what i mean we're, we're coming up on like almost a decade now mm-hmm. of of being in in a friendship and and um and you know of being part of your life you know and, and you being part of my life in such a significant way that even if we even if we don't talk every week you know mm-hmm. that we're able to to pick it back up right every right right on uh track like when we need each other for something right or if yeah. i need to confide in you or you need to talk to me about something um like just the other day we were talking about uh you know a particular thing going on in in your um faith community right mm-hmm. and and we're able to talk about that in a significant way because we, we have a bond, right? Yeah. Um, and our bond came through service, through serving yeah. together. And if if we don't create that bond, um, then in the future, when, when you need to call on it, it's not there. Yeah. And so that's like just my final thought is get, get yourself involved in a significant, um, intimate um, community relationship where you're serving other people. I want to ask you one last question before we kind of wrap up here. What drives you today to keep going? It's a lot. It's overwhelming. What keeps you going? Your children. But you know, when I was an addict, my children would say they weren't enough. That's not true. I was still very, very sick. Mm. But after seeing my daughter survive cancer, uh, trauma's trauma. Um, and I want my kids to, and my daughter going to school, political science for equality. Mm. I must have done something right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, um, and without getting too emotional, my kid, my kids, yeah. yeah. And my daughters, my daughters, I, they're so strong. And yeah. uh, just, I, I just want to, I want them to know they can overcome anything, whatever it takes. I mean, writing a book is not easy. And I, you know, just signed my contract and we start printing in two weeks and it'll be out in August. I go on book tour September 2nd, sorry, September 2nd. And it's not, it's been a rough nine months, right? Mm, But I had to do it. It's just, you know, that God gut. It's like, it's like, it's a nags and that kind of like probably with your podcast, like, Mm. It's like you gotta do it. It's something yeah. that nags you. Can't even sleep. It nags you. It nags you. You're nasty. Yeah. yeah. Unless you want to drink or do drugs, which I don't want to do anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna keep nagging. So yeah. whatever that is, whoever's listening, whatever that is, that's nagging at you. There is enough room at the table <laughs> yeah. for all of us. Yeah. Thank you. And it is. It's so amazing sharing in that that journey and that realization. Sometimes it's just the little things. Sometimes it's the huge things that, you know, you see people make changes with. And it's it is so rewarding to say, you know, I'm I'm so glad that that person has has made that step in their own life and they're finding that happy because, you know, we so often aren't happy. For whatever reason, and when yeah. someone can say, "I'm truly happy," that's mm-hmm. that's amazing. Yeah, and, and anything that you want to share with those listening, what you're doing today, um, as we kind of wrap things up. Well, I think one of the things I like to emphasize to people is it's not what happens to you; it's what you do with what happens. Mm-hmm. You have to take a hundred percent responsibility for your health and your stuff you can't blame others for it you can't be a victim you have to be a victor and you yourself have to take responsibility for that Mm -hmm. so please do that get off your couch 
Start doing things that'll move you forward. Keep on going. And you know, if you need help and resources, there's people out there that can help you. You know, I do offer some help in some people's way. I no longer practice medicine, but I do coaching. I do help people in other ways. So people can turn to me on the website, uh, drallenlika.com, D-R-A-L-L-E-N, Lyka, L-Y-C-K-A.com. And if I can be of any further assistance in that, please let me know. And, uh, and, and I'm a yes guy. You know, if somebody mm-hmm. asked me to do something, you know, I'm like, sure, sure, I'll do it. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And then I just started to see in this pile up, pile up, pile up, pile mm-hmm. up. I started ignoring my family. I, I started ignoring, like I said, the warning signs, all this sort of stuff. So I had to set clear boundaries for myself and I had to cut out things that were not the best use of my time, my energy mm-hmm. and my resources. And mm-hmm. so those were the things that I think helped me uh, heal the most. Um, that and finding a way to forgive myself mm-hmm. uh, that it was not my fault, mm-hmm. uh, that I was not a broken person, uh, mm-hmm. that this was a part of me, but it did not have to define me. So mm-hmm. I had to find a way to forgive myself and love myself again, uh, mm-hmm. just in a new way. And that took some deep work it is a process Mm. does not happen overnight uh meditation i always tell people when i teach them meditation i said this does not happen overnight you are not Mm. going to be an instant meditator overnight Mm. as you are retraining your brain it's just like any other muscle in our body Mm. you can't expect to go into the gym and come out ripped looking like the rock Mm. after one time right Mm. So um, it's a process and it took me a good year mm. to, to get that way. So meditation, supplements, eating right, exercising more. Mm. Um, I did not exercise. I now go for daily walks. That helped me. And mm. then finding a way to forgive myself and love myself again. Those were all huge for me. As, I love you, as you should be. That is our, our, our human science is very young. We know less than 10% of what's in our own oceans. We know more about what's on the surface of Mars. Mm. We know so very little, all things relative in in terms of our human body Mm -hmm. that we are still learning about. Yet most people out there think that we know everything about everything. We're the smartest species ever. And (laughs) so I, I encourage people to think for yourself. Mm-hmm. rethink what you think you know and go do some research and go out online see what the most current science says and go look at the science find find the respected websites that are backed up by science uh, that are backed up by quality content right? and see what what uh, most people probably still think that a, that a calorie is still a calorie and it is not a calorie mm-hmm. is not a calorie and there's many other scientific facts out there Right, that have changed over the years because we're learning and we're mm. evolving. That many folks don't realize had changed. So yes, please go out and search and learn and <laughs> figure out what the actual real truth is relative to the facts and, and the evidence because it's what will truly make us all worry. Um, and I know I've mentioned this and we talked about this, but the title of this month is building a home and i know we taught in all angles but as we kind of reaching the end what what does this title mean to you today currently uh, i know you mentioned a lot but 
building home means many things for everyone, like we mentioned. But why do you think it's important, especially today, building a home? Mm. Well, again, you know, well, like I mentioned, you know, God created us uh, in His image, and God is love. Mm-hmm. We have this this need inside of us to be loved and to give love. That's the way God designed us to be. Mm-hmm. So building a home uh, to me, uh, what it means to me and why it's so important in the world today is like the song says, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and that that world starts in my walls, mm-hmm. uh, in my home mm-hmm. uh, to receive love and to give love. So that's what, again, the society is built on. It's what your community is built on. It's what a church is built on. Yeah. If the church church doesn't have healthy homes, it's not going to be a healthy church. Yeah. You know? So, again, what's it mean to me? We serve an amazing God. Mm-hmm. If, if people would give themselves an opportunity to, to see who God is and the beauty of who, who he is and not often what's being conveyed through religion, because mm-hmm. oftentimes that's a wrong picture of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they give themselves an opportunity to see God for who he is, they'll see that he truly is love. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that love is, is irresistible. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me, but he mm-hmm. still loves us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so God wants us to be the same with each other in building a home that we know all of our faults and weaknesses of our spouse and our children they know mm-hmm. all my faults and weaknesses but we still choose to love each other yeah. because we are a home and that's the way God uh, designed us to be and that love mm-hmm. that unconditional love is that taste of, uh, uh, of, of a joy and a peace knowing that in spite of who I am, in spite of my own mistakes and faults, mm. there's people who love me. Yeah. So I want to encourage everyone to, to build their home mm-hmm. uh, uh, on God and on his ways. And if, he, if, you, if you're not a believer, uh, that's your choice. Again, we respect that. But the principle is the same. Mm. Uh, build your home uh, mm. on love on other centers well, up. Since you're new to the listeners, I want to give you a little bit of time to share a little bit of your story. I know you wrote a book. I know it's, um, I know it's, a, it's there's been a lot that you went through, but whatever you feel comfortable, uh, the floor is yours to share. And all the, all the book, all that links will be in the notes for those listening. So they can check out how to find more about more about you, Sarah. So go ahead. Okay. Um, Again, my name is Sarah M. I grew up in Cambodia. Mm. As a child, I was happy and I feel very loved by my parents. But when I when I attend college, mm-hmm. I had to leave my family behind. And college is far away from home. While I was far away, the communist Khmer Rouge took over our country. Mm-hmm. They came in with madness, with resentment, with anger, and they came in to destroy us. Mm. I don't know what their original idea was, but but when they came to power, they mm-hmm. pretty much destroyed our country and destroyed our life. And I struggled for four long years in the forced labor camp. Mm. 
Mm. I I live with very little food and work very hard, extremely hard, long hours. And I was exhausted and starved mm. and seriously sick. I contracted several diseases. Mm. And while, when I was too sick to work, they sent me to a, an infirmary. Mm. And I was supposed to be in the infirmary waiting for the time to die. Mm. But but with my love for my family, my my mind was thinking about them all the time. Mm. And that was the life saving for me. I'm thinking about my family. I want to survive so that I can go back home. How old were you during those four years? When what? When? How old were you? If you don't want me no, I was in my early twenty. Mm. So I can't imagine. You know, those who are listening. Um, sometimes we forget, especially if you're in the states, that there's a other countries out there. There's other things that um, people go through each and every day, and uh, last month was building a home. The theme for November was building a home because it's different from a home and a house. And you're you're mentioning your family was a big component of what kind of held you together. Um, yeah. Was there anything else that that you remember, and if you're um, comfortable in sharing, that helped you through those hard four years? Through that hard four years, I remember that I had built friendship with the, the, the people that was in the same camp. Mm. We, we support each other. Mm. When, when I got very sick and I become blind at night, there was a, mm. a, a condition, it's called a night blindness. When, mm. when you are so lack of nutrition, you mm. lose your sight at night. So, without the help of my friend in the camp, I would have got lost. I would have wandered all over. But they helped me. And not only that, when um, at the end of four years, mm -hmm. I have a courage to to plan an escape. You know, uh, I can't imagine at that at in your twenties to you know couldn't be easy to make that decision you you had um what what was the what was the moment when you said i need to get get out and what what gave you the strength you feel to get through that and i so you know you mentioned you had people that supported you in there that were helping you you know with your um how many of you were there if you don't mind me asking i, I just find it's inspiring to hear even that the most dire moments in a person's life that they they find the courage to do this whatever you feel comfortable sharing i i got trapped in the camp that was uh, was uh, for for single uh, uh, single woman and man Mm -hmm. All together in that camp was 1,000 people to start with. Mm. And by the end of four years, there yeah. was prob we probably have about 300 left. Wow. 
and the rest have just died or was taken away whatever reason there mm. some some people they were just been taken away secretly i i just you know it's just in, i know eh, i just know that um we hear these stories you know especially when we think about um world war ii and like the people who struggled during the um time of the holocaust and all that and um a lot of times it just we just to hear it from someone like yourself it's truly inspiring to hear you you know in light of all this you're you have a story of hope now what is the name of your um of your book for so those who are listening to kind of um the name so you, of my book yes how i survived the killing field the story of hope love and determination this is this is how my book okay that's uh, yeah and i all the, the link to find out more about if you are interested in uh for, um, getting it and reading it i do encourage you to but it's, it's inspiring you know your story i'll tell you sarah and i don't want to um you know i want people to feel encouraged to read your book and kind of and to hear the whole story but it is inspiring to kind of throughout even the most dire you were able to find hope love and determination is there anything else that you want to share uh, briefly about that whole four years that kind of stood out to you that you want to share with those listening today yeah the um at one point the first couple months when i got very sick and they sent me to a infirmary mm-hmm. and i realized that i need to get out of that infirmary mm. i know if i stay in that infirmary i would not survive because mm. that's the place where very sick people stay yeah. and i already have a few condition a few disease in my body and mm. i will end up getting more disease from other people if i keep staying in there so i realize that i need to get out from there but where where can i go mm. if i go back to the working place I cannot do anything. I cannot work. My my condition was too hard to work. And if I run away from the whole camp, I would not last. I I don't have an energy to to run away. Mm. So I remember when I was very young, my mm-hmm. mom read the bedtime story for herself. It's a, an adult story. Mm-hmm. But in that story there was a, a situation where a mean person grabbed somebody else's children and wife mm-hmm. and he took them into his possession and mm-hmm. abused them mm-hmm. and it took god in heaven god mm-hmm. saw what happened mm-hmm. and he he sent the angel to rescue mm-hmm. the children and the woman Mm. from this story i make a decision i said there is god mm-hmm. god knows what's happening mm. and he's a good god that's mm. all i know that's all i know i mm. 
um, I don't know anything else, but I make up my mind that there is God. Mm -hmm. Now, in the infirmary, when I need to save my life, I need mm -hmm. to do something to survive. Mm -hmm. And I cannot help myself. I remember that God. Mm. And I wait until night time and I pray. Mm -hmm. I ask, I ask God, God, please, please help me to survive. Please help me. Mm -hmm. I thank him every night. And then after a while, after many, many nights of praying, mm -hmm. one morning when I woke up very early than usual, mm -hmm. I, I felt like I have an extra energy. So maybe I'll try to walk <clears throat> out from the infirmary and go back to where the working people are staying. As mm -hmm. I transition from the infirmary to the working place, I, when I got there, one kind team leader saw me. Mm -hmm. And she took me in her group and she said, you can stay with me and let me try to find something that you can do. Mm. In this camp, you cannot do nothing. You have to mm. be able to do something. Mm -hmm. So when she realized that I'm too sick to do anything, mm -hmm. she went to talk to the people at the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And then she came back to tell me that you can go to work in the kitchen. They can use mm. your help. So mm. it's just like, hallelujah. God, answer my prayer in the most amazing way. Mm. Only God knows where I need to be.